I'm Trisha Real, also known as Trish the Dish. And I'm Isaac Bluefoot, and this is Salty Astrology. Which you could take with a grain of salt. Honestly, a single grain is never enough. One thing that just bugs me about the fact that we are doing aspects of the show, and that's what a lot of astrology is, is just following the aspects. Yeah. For me, I feel like that a lot of this is just the natural shape of the arrangement of the planets. And the numbers are technically arbitrary. Like, and the signs are technically arbitrary. Like the colors of the color wheel, there's no difference between orange, red, and red, orange. Right. There is, but there isn't. <laughs> but what is interesting to me is when we forget that the name of those 12 signs are not the thing, they're just the placement on the thing. And the thing is the universe, that we are surrounded by this sky around us. Yeah. And that's the thing. And we've used these words, these 12 zodiac words, or like even in mathematics, we break it down into 360. But we've agreed 360 because of its mathematical convenience. Uh -huh. Into relationship to 12. So for a long time, been a great thing to divide circles this way. That way we get perfect math with 90 degrees, 120 degrees. Things that we can relate to here on Earth in our regular earthly plane existence. And we need, yeah. we need words to even grasp ideas. I get that. <laughs> so I think that there's a degree to with which I wish it was more understood that as this cycle of planets is moving around in this grand procession. <laughs> and so what I'm getting at is, is that, that in the same way we acknowledge that there's a month and a breath to the full and new moon, that breath is happening with each of the planets around each other. There's a breath between Mercury and Venus. There's a breath between Jupiter and Saturn, and they're all having these breaths together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that when we just reach, inhale and exhale. And if you were to think of the inhale as the full moon and the opposition, and the exhale as the new moon, and we just keep breathing through the planets, but they're all breathing in their own cycle. So it just frustrates me to forget that we're not describing anything but this rhythm when we do this talk about these aspects. Right. And, you know, that said, we this is a very new podcast and there are some aspects that like only happen once every 14 years or, you know, only happen every whatever amount. Yeah. And so well, there are things that we're kind of easing people into this uh, lingo <laughs> while we also process the problems that we have with the system. Yeah. I appreciate you saying it like that. Yeah. So, so for the audience's sake, it's going to continue to sound in the way where we talk about the aspects and talk about the degrees of with which this is happening. But I hope that people along the way, that this note here would be one to like, just keep in mind that we're describing the solar system breathing around us. Yeah. Yeah. And that these aspects that we call astral bodies somehow, and this is the salty, stupid part, they somehow reflect our internal selves. <laughs> and so therefore, we're describing the breathing within us. And I guess the challenge is, is for anyone out there listening to know their own chart well enough to be able to slightly change what we're saying to apply to themselves.
Yeah. I mean, it's a geocentric model, which I think we talked about in the first episode, which means it's an Earth-centered model and that everything that you see in an astrological chart is a map of the sky from the perspective of Earth. And then these certain energies will activate your individual chart, theoretically. And so that's why it would be really helpful if people knew their own charts a little bit better. I know how it influences mine, so I'm always trying to think ahead. Yeah. You know, and just kind of see if I can maximize on the positive potentials. Yeah. <laughs> so last week when we were recording this, just to give people an inside glimpse, I want to talk about the aspect specifically of Mercury squaring to Neptune. Yeah. We mentioned that was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I found during this last week that that happened that there was a great degree of miscommunication was happening in my life. There were a lot of communications where the text message technically did say what the intent of the message was, but it was ambiguous enough and not direct enough that the messages were just being missed and the core thing being said wasn't heard. And it was between me and some friends and other friends I heard, that, like there's the general theme. Mm -hmm. So I wanna maybe like put a, a little note on Mercury squaring to Neptune yeah, to see if that kind of miscommunication is going to be happening again. Well, you know, it's interesting there. Mercury goes retrograde three times a year for about three weeks each time. It's not actually going backwards, but it looks like it's going backwards from our perspective because the Earth's orbit is going faster at certain times. But just because Mercury goes retrograde for a few weeks three times a year doesn't mean that every Mercury retrograde is going to be fraught with communication mishaps. But there was a study that was done that said that when Mercury was retrograde and making a square aspect to one of the planets with larger orbits, that there were statistically significant communication breakdowns that were more apparent. So when people go, oh, is it going to be really rough Mercury retrograde? And I'll look and be like, well, maybe not, or yeah, probably so. So I'll look and see. And this thing with Mercury and Neptune is going to revisit itself. The square between Mercury and Neptune will happen again because first... Mercury's coming back when it goes direct. Right, because when we first recorded the episode about Mercury being square to Neptune, that was one thing. Then Mercury is going to go retrograde, square it again. Then Mercury is going to go back forward through the same territory. So mm -hmm. we're going to have a variety of different flavors of the same aspect. Uh, speaking of the flavor of Mercury during those yeah. aspects, <laughs> yeah. um, it's going to be hanging out with Mars most of that entire time. I don't know if you noticed that. but Are you talking about when we're getting closer to our new full moon or yeah, during... Let's, let's, when, do you want to break down the full moon and what it's going to look like for us? Sure. So the sun and moon are opposite during all full moons, but this one we have the sun in Capricorn and the moon in Cancer. It will be at 4.33 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on December 26th, the day after Christmas. So uh, adjust for your location. But we're also having the solstice before this. So this is a very epic time of year because we're going through a seasonal change as well. So the sun yeah. moves into Capricorn on December 21st and it's gonna be our winter solstice in the north, northern hemisphere summer solstice in the southern hemisphere so it's a definite seasonal change so by the time we reach the full moon on december 26th it's a culmination 
And here, because the moon is going to be in Cancer, the idea is that it would be a more sensitive, family-focused kind of time, mm -hmm. right? We may be more in tune with our feelings, and yet we need to balance our intuition with grounded actions. So the moon in Cancer with the sun in Capricorn. There's also the idea that the possibility of this full moon on December 26th is that the foundations we've laid are coming to fruition. So all the plans we made. Is that because this is a Capricorn uh -huh. full moon? Yeah. We generally think of that as being every year at this time, part of what happens when we move into the time of like Christmas, we start preparing for like calculating how much money we made that year. And we give Ebenezer Scrooge a hard time, but he was preparing <laughs> for taxes. <laughs> yeah, he was. I don't know if he was entirely <laughs> being off put by being responsible when the winter is setting in. Well, I mean, I, for me, I call the winter swearing season because I get I don't like the cold. And so I always start swearing a lot more. Mm, so it, you like know. when you stub your toe, it helps to cuss a little bit. Uh, yeah, it really yeah, does. So yeah. like your body's being stubbed by the weather. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, we don't always have a full moon happening right around Christmas. It's true. So yeah. this is definitely a culmination energy and always it feels that way. But. Some, this year, it will especially feel that way. Uh, just a few days before, though, I was mentioning that the flavor of Mercury was going to be going into Mars. Well, it's going to be conjuncting That's with what I Mars. Mean. Yeah. Be, well, a conjunction, I like to think of it as like the energies of those two planets kind of just bleed right around each other. So we're going to have a lot of direct communication is what I'm getting at. Well, yeah, they do combine. So when two planets are conjunct, they, their energies are combining together. So when Mercury and Mars are conjunct in Sagittarius, which is a buoyant fire mutable sign, that's, you know, here we're gonna probably have increased mental activity, may even mm. broaden our horizons because it's Sagittarius. Um, I, I think I misspoke though. Specifically, I said it would bring more directness to communication. But Mercury's still in retrograde this whole time. So I can't say that it'll be a directness. You're correct. Yeah. And also it because it's going to be squaring Neptune, I don't know about directness, actually. Um, Mercury and Mars are going to be conjunct in Sagittarius. And, you know, this is a, a very explorative sign so that we might have more exploration, more optimism, more philosophy. We might, you know, we're going to have a lot of increased mental activity, but it's also going to be making a square. Both Mercury and Mars will be making a square to Neptune. Even though Mercury will be retrograde, it's, you know, it will be making another square. At this time, it will be combined with Mars making the square. So we may want to step outside our day-to-day -day realities. Uh, we might receive inspiration from our imagination and we might want to even pay close attention to our dreams because Neptune rules dreams and we have the awesome possibility of getting more perspective with this particular Mercury-Mars conjunction. So says the lore. Yeah, I'm also going to suggest that people will be not saying what they intended to say and thinking they said it and others will be misunderstanding it. At least just based on my last week. Yeah, I mean, I think, though, that the potential for really diving into our imagination and for having sort of a positive outlook on our future, even though it may be dreamy and based on fantasy, is there. 
So we, we might, you know, there's positive aspects to this. I like too. how you're trying to look up on that. But yeah. I'm just going to say, seriously, the things that I was experiencing while this was happening last week. When Mercury was squaring Neptune. And yeah. You noticed. Well, I didn't notice. I noticed the week. And then I looked back and I was like, wait, 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 wait. What was doing that? <laughs> what was Mercury doing this last week that made that week so ridiculous? And the thing is that I'm going to get at, though, is, is that the miscommunications, when I did break them down to figure out why are we missing each other like ships passing in the night, what happened? And it was very much a case of the subconscious didn't speak up, but I thought I said. So that's where the ephemeral dreams were going. The ephemeral uh. dreams were going like, I'm saying this out loud, but you're only insinuating it amidst other words that can easily show why you didn't say what you thought you said. So as optimistic as you are for this will stimulate <laughs> dreams, I want to be more salty about it and warn everyone no, you didn't say it. Stop assuming you did. <laughs> this is going to be the day after Christmas. Family members are together, right? They How will for me. I've got my family from Rhode Island is coming. I'm really excited. And uh, I don't care if we dream it. Yeah, Mercury will be retrograde from around December 13th till the night of January 1st. So... On January 2nd is when Mercury is actually direct. So it's a great way to start the new year, too. You can, you know, start fresh. And in some ways, this whole Mercury retrograde period can be good for reassessing all the rewords, rethinking, reimagining. Okay, I want to just say this, though, just because this is well, the way I look at Mercury in retrograde is that it's going back for something you missed. It's not a bad thing where things are going backwards. It's just going back to pick up something you dropped. Yeah. There was something you didn't say, and you need to say it. So Mercury has to go all the way back and pick it up for you. So, so the thing that I'm seeing here is, is that many of the miscommunications I just experienced at the very end of November are going to be not only just revisited, but we're going to be able to have time to stay in that space for, a few for, weeks. The, for like 20 days. Yeah, um, we definitely have the opportunity to go back and tidy up things from 2023. <laughs> yeah, your late November messes will be available for you to miscommunicate again. <laughs> and the, but the thing is, one of my favorite parts about a square, though, if you're getting my part about what I like a square for, is that it doesn't feel as futile as an opposition. Like, it really feels like you can grab a hold of it and make progress of it and move it forward. Like, like I've met, compared it to gears turning. It's hard. It's like an intersection. When we meet at an intersection and we're going in perpendicular directions, we can take turns and work it out. I can wave you through and you can go through and I can go next. But in an opposition, it's just to head-on collapse. But this is a square, so I'm really yeah. optimistic that we're going to learn some communication I about our subconscious. I think that's very generalized, and I uh, don't know that I agree. What, 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 you, don't, what, you don't see it that way? <laughs> no, uh, because oppositions, sometimes you're working with the balance of opposites. Oh, yes, okay. So, I can say that there's a degree you have to learn through the balance. Yeah, so... I that's really way better than my version. I don't really see it as a crashing, and I actually find squares are more challenging. Uh, personally. Interesting, but you're also a juggler and you, you have a sense of acrobatics in your life. <laughs> so you're like doing like acro yoga. So balancing is an act that you're used to. 
And as someone who's a very process-oriented artist, uh -huh. the mitigation of a square is much more like, oh yeah, we all do everything in due time. Everything takes its turn and its course. The different gear sprockets have to interlock with each other and pass through each other to make it work. And I can see where perhaps I've misjudged the opposition for being <laughs> worse than it actually is. And I'll suggest maybe you're giving the square a bad rap as well. Well, you know, it all depends on the square. It's the work you might not want to do, but it's still available work to be done. An aspect that I've been really liking seeing the shape of that's going on during this whole process that we're looking at is that there's a sextile between Saturn and Jupiter. Yeah, actually, there's a really nice sextile there that's like a That's going to be until April, by the way. It's Yeah, well... Let's go back to talking about the full moon. Okay. So there are a lot of awesome things happening on the full moon, aside from the fact that we're going to have our Mercury-Mars conjunct squaring Neptune, which we've given a lot of airtime to, but there are some beautiful trines. And the sun is going to be at four degrees of Capricorn, making a very close trine to Jupiter, and which will be at five degrees of Taurus. So that's, you know, really a lot of harmonious vibes there. It's like opportunities for success, growth, prosperity, it's good fortune. So usually the trines are representative of harmonies. Uh, sometimes it means you don't have to work too hard for these things. And at the same time, because it's a full moon, Jupiter is going to be making a sextile, which is a 60 degrees apart from the moon. So that's also another harmonious alignment, more, you know, optimism symbolized by Jupiter and, you know, a courage to pursue your dreams or the things that you feel drawn to and that kind of thing. So it's just definitely a like a, a positive, auspicious something there. And Saturn is also making a nice trine to the moon at the same time. So Saturn is going to be making a trine to the moon because Saturn is at the early degrees of Pisces and that's a water sign and the moon is in the early degrees of Cancer that's a water sign so feelings and harmony are you know going to be working together better it's a stabilizing influence and it also makes a harmonious sextile to the sun it's like a, a harmonious bowl on one side of the chart stabilizing and um, we can focus on rebuilding and restructuring the foundational aspects of our lives. This is sort of like the interpretation of uh, the Saturn influence uh, in this harmonious way. It sounds like it's a lot of like the better harmonies between the sun, Saturn, Jupiter, and the moon are all just working together. So we've got our responsible side our buoyant luckiness, working with our feelings, working with our ego. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, in general, if it weren't for the fact that you're going to be some miscommunications, <laughs> we're barely going to notice those miscommunications. Yeah. We're probably going to be having such a good time yeah. that you'll be like, what? Oh, we misunderstood each other? Well, we went and had a good time anyways where yeah. we went. L lots of cuddle puddles, I That's, see. Yeah, even from my salty perspective, there's a lot of positivity still to be found in and, this scenario and there is some like at the solstice we have an exact opposition between uranus 
and Venus. And it's still in aspect at the full moon on the 26th of December, but it's, I think, exact on the 20th, December 20th, and pretty closely to exact on December 21st. So, you know, here's like, because Uranus is the planet of change, and then Venus is related to our love nature and our aesthetics, it's like, you know, here, this sort of need for change, for spontaneity, maybe an attraction for unusual people and circumstances, and, you know, a unique wishes to be more free. You know? Yeah, very <laughs> counter to what has been the norm because it's an opposition too. And, you know, this is great because here, you know, you can remember you're unique just like everybody else. Yeah, I like to think we're all unique. And yeah. yet there is definitely going to be an attractiveness to extreme uniques. Yeah, and, you know, actually there's a new fashion trend of putting chewed gum in your hair. There is? Yeah, it, it's unique and hard to pull off. Oh, <laughs> okay, but while we're going through this unique reassessment of our sensibilities and really like bucking the norm of what we think we like and who we think we like and how we think we feel about these things, we're also gonna have the trine between Neptune, so intuition. From Venus to Neptune, yes. Yeah. So yeah, so this is actually the amazing Rick Merlin Levine thinks this is one of the most integrated aspects of this particular full moon is, is the Venus trine Neptune. And uh, it's a very mysterious, dreamy energy. The imaginations are rich. Uh, we might be drawn to beauty and you know be able to tell great stories. And even if things aren't beautiful, we might even still think they are. <laughs> so maybe the Mercury, Mars, square to Neptune won't be so difficult because it's getting harmonious support from this other uh, aspect yeah. of Venus making the trine to Neptune. But time will tell. So it generally looks like a great shifting into the new year because by the time yeah. we meet up with our listeners again, it'll be uh, on the other side. Yeah, and we're going to have, by that time, a lot of the planets will have gone direct. Jupiter goes direct at the end of the year. Mercury goes direct at the beginning of the year. Also, during the full moon, December 26th, Chiron goes direct, which I don't normally follow that much, but, you know, it's just another little bit of forward motion where, like, December, we might have had smaller aspects of we think we're moving forward, but because the larger planets have still been in retrograde, it's just small steps. Mm. And then when we get into the new year, there's more movement forward. Yeah. Another aspect I want to ask you about that's happening at the end of the month on the 28th is Venus is going to square with Saturn. Yeah, it is. I was looking at that and it's because Venus is in Scorpio, there's intense passions that might but heads with the reality dreams. And I'm saying that because Saturn's in Pisces. So I didn't think too much about it, but that was my little buzz phrase. We're going to, in the new year, we're at the very end of Pluto going through the last degrees of Capricorn. Also, the those are called the critical degrees. And so Pluto won't shift into Aquarius until January 20th or 20 second it's kind of like it takes a few days for it to really it's checking move. out of the lobby though as we speak yeah it's checking out 
There's definitely a lot of tying up of loose ends going on and not just because it's the end of the year, but it's because it's the end of a kind of epic. How many years before it gets out of Aquarius? Well, Pluto's going to be in Aquarius from January 21st-ish of 2024 until about September in 2024. Oh, and revisiting. Then, and then it goes into Capricorn for a couple more months and then full on into Aquarius. And that will be for 20 years. until 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to be really feeling the extremes of Aquarius because Pluto's going to be hanging out there and Pluto's pretty extreme. Yeah, I mean, the transformation of our tech self. If you thought the internet was crazy before, <laughs> wait till you try the next 20 years. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, community building could be real popular. Yeah, well, I'm really looking forward to the uh, adventure that we're entering. So many happy little trines happening. I'm actually really looking forward to Mercury and Mars coming together in those later degrees of Sagittarius because I have my north and south nodes in Gemini and Sagittarius. And so it's a third house. Probably I will do some writing. Where is the sun during that time in your house? Uh, fourth house. Fourth house. So you're going to be having a fourth house and a 10th house opposition for this full moon. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a little bit of the, the tear between your home life and your outward life might be calling you to. Yeah. I mean, uh, my family's going to be coming to visit from Rhode Island. So we're going to be doing a lot of family things, but then I'm going to bring them everywhere. That is a very appropriate time to do it. The moon and the sun are both backing mm -hmm. you on this one. Good and call. And they're right on my angles too. Like there's this thing that they say in a, when it's how they describe the ascendant, descendant, midheaven, or nadir, which are mm -hmm. ascendant is the sign at the eastern horizon when you were born. And so that's one of your angles. Mm -hmm. Whatever's at the top of your chart, midheaven, that's mm -hmm. another one of your angles. So this full moon, it's my angles. It's landing on your ascendant. Or no, it's landing on, my, on, landing on your nadir. Which is the bottom part of the chart. Just last uh, month on the first full moon episode we did, it landed on one of my angles. Yeah. With the Ascendant. How fun is that? I think we need a, an angle on angle jokes. Yeah, I'm really excited. I hope everyone figures out a way to make the changes in their world and their foundation to embrace the new flavors they took on during this transition. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of optimism, so you might as well embrace it while it's there. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs>